Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Bear Cast, where we run you through all of the Cal Golden Bears news you need to know about. And this episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Deal Dash, but we'll get to that later. Andy, we're recording another podcast. This is our second one of the night. <laughs> Man, that was a that was a secret fact. That was a secret fact. But we like transparency with our listeners That's now they're not going to know that it was a t- totally different day and all of a sudden my mood was uplifted <laughs> <laughs> oh man but how what how are you feeling how are you feeling about doing two podcasts in one night <laughs> i feel great my microphone is butter my voice is still in tip-top shape you know i've got some work to do in the gym training my voice before the season but i feel like sitting at home for the last four and a half months has really you know built up the vocal cords necessary to to put this thing to use as we head into the sports season known as the fall that shall be like no other rob yes what have you done in the last week to prepare yourself for what's to come to prepare myself for what's to come i've been i've been working out a lot at home using ring fit adventure on the nintendo switch um that's how i've been getting my workouts in so you know i'm uh i'm squatting my 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 pain away uh, (laughs) against these little monsters and trying to defeat drago uh the evil dragon who has taken over the sports world so dude that's legit damn you (laughs) COVID 19 (laughs) hey that's that's better than my peloton rides so I don't You're know, man. good. I don't know. I mean, but but I think, yeah, I think Peloton fits your type of like working out though. Like you like you like the you like biking. You yeah, do it all the time. I do. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan of biking. You know what? The two of us are also a fan of. We're also a fan of 
free speech. Free speech. We're also a fan <laughs> of college athletes using their platform to better themselves. And that's exactly what has happened and transpired this past week. So let me run you do. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know what's been going on, let me run you through what's been happening. On August tw- on So a couple weeks ago there was there were things by Rudy Carpenter, who is the former Arizona State quarterback. He tweeted out that there's some former play or there are some current players that are trying to organize themselves to, uh, you know, stand their ground and, and make some uh, negotiating demands with the conference. And people t- retweeted it. Nothing came of it. Then comes this thing about um, that they're actually going to like send out some demands uh, earlier last week. And then on August 2nd, uh, the players of the Pac-12 drop a letter on the Players' Tribune. And it's uh, basically goes like this. I'll just read like the beginning. To ensure future generations of college athletes will be fairly treated, treat, treated fairly, hashtag we are united. Because NCAA sports exploit college athletes physically, economically, and academically, and also disproportionately harm black college athletes, hashtag we are united. In rejecting NCAA claims that hashtag black lives matter, while also systematically exploiting black athletes nationwide, hashtag we are united. And it goes down to say that for a lot of things, for a lot of statements. And so at the end, what they said, what it does is it lists some demands... Um, it says Pac-12 football unity demands to protect and benefit both scholarship and walk-on athletes. Um, there's four different segments. The first one is health and safety protections, uh, particularly pertaining to COVID-19 protections and mandatory safety standards, including COVID-19 measures. The second thing is protecting all sports, preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. The third is end racial injustice in college sports and society, and it's listed by three points. And then economic freedom and equity uh, with the inclusion of three points of guaranteed medical expense coverage, name, image, and likeness rights and representation, and fair market pay rights and freedoms. Some updates regarding this was that they they got told that there would be a phone call um with i believe larry scott uh asu's ad and utah's ad and then also another um development was that the big 10 players actually put out a statement like this too just without the part about financial um what's it economic freedom and equity in terms of fair market pays and rights and freedoms of economic stuff that's where we are right now um andy your initial takes when you found out about this man i'm such a big fan of of what this is driving at and i think that ultimately this is something that we've been pushing for for a while in the college sports community, which is the fact that the players should be paid. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that the NCAA has gotten this far with players not being able to, you know, earn something from their likeness, namesake, all that. But what I really like about this is it talks about a lot of things that 
I think the Black Lives Matter movement is, or what's core to the Black Lives Matter movement, which is that the NCAA hasn't treated its athletes, and more specifically its black athletes, like their lives matter to them. And I think the perfect example of that recently has been the things that we've been talking about. And for me, it's, it's abundantly clear. How do you put kids and how do you put their lives at risk more so than they already are playing a dangerous sport called football and then say that they're not going to pay them right the other leagues it it makes sense i do this for my job i do this for my living i'm a you know essential worker right that's what essential workers do and so be it maybe we call that professional athletes are essential because look at this point we have to acknowledge the impact that athletes and sports in general have on our mental health this has been an awesome example of that like i was lost in march and april on saturdays or on weeknights i was like isn't there supposed to be baseball on or something i'm supposed to be able to do right now that i'm not able to do and so i think that has built an appreciation for the fact that like maybe we should stop looking at athletes as much as we idolize them but like appreciate them for what they do which is bring us joy and and sort of separation and in peace in in our in our mental state and so what i really like about this is that this kind of brings all of these issues to the forefront and puts it into really well thought out points and i think they're all valid I would want the same things if it were me, and I would want the same things if it were my kids, and I would want the same things if it were my friends that they're asking for. And I don't think anything that's included in that is unreasonable. But it's a, like it's about time, and it's a movement that's awesome to get behind. Side note, before I let you jump in, Rob. Please do. This will also provide an awesome opportunity of how college football coaches cannot handle shit that is outside of their lane. And I'm just going to say that as a teaser for where this conversation will go. <laughs> I think I'm going to I'm going to approach it two ways. The first thing is I'm going to approach it from like just the overall what they're trying to do and when it pertains to the Cal athletes that are on this uh, are part of the, the I think what is it 10 or 12 uh, players that are like kind of spearheading this um, the first thing is I mean all power to them right I think players are getting smarter uh, they're more aware they're they're understanding the beyond the football stuff of their environment and they're starting to question it and like on in a for me personally that's also that's also scary because as a fan of the sport that also drastically this is gonna all if this if this is the start of something then it's definitely gonna alter how this sport is played how this sport is run into a you know, a direction that we don't know, right? Uh, and it's going to alter one of our favorite sports 
forever. Um, and, like, that's slightly scary. But at the same time, it's like, if that's the necessary steps we need to do uh, to adjust and to actually start reckoning with said choices um, and systems that have been set up up until now, then so be it. I think Dallas, uh, one of our friends, put it up on his Twitter account the best, and I'll pull up that tweet, but that's kind of what he was saying. It's like our sport that we love so much is going to be drastically changed forever, Um, and college football as we know it might not exist if these movements start to pick up, but if that's the place we need to go, like I'm, I don't, I, I don't think... I think, you know, the the fans that are behind it beyond just, like, I want the sport, just shut up and dribble, those types of fans, like, the other, the outside of those fans, like, I think most people are like, yeah, like, I'm willing to give up the sport if it means better livelihoods for these players, these student-athletes that are people before they're football players. And I think that's the big thing. The second thing is, all of these, like, fans... You know, particularly when it pertains to Cal fans that are calling them out and stuff. I'm, yeah, I, I put out this tweet and I actually got a lot of likes for this tweet, which is surprising. Um, but basically, what I wrote was, "You can't praise the university for its history of standing up for rights and the start of movements, and be surprised that Cal players were at the forefront of this attempt to start change. If you love the university and its history, you should be proud that these guys have embodied it." And I think that's still where I stand. Um, the guy, these, the particularly the Cal guys, like they're. I mean, is there any other like better way of showing their DNA of the university than to like be standing up for their own rights and starting movements? Like, come on, like that's awesome. Uh, and I'm even just as like a guy who covers the sport, like I'm curious to see where this goes because. You're forcing the conversation. Like there is, there is leverage here to be used because of the because of coronavirus, um, and they're trying to parlay that into at least something. Granted, do I think a lot of these uh, demands that they put out are realistic? No, um, but at the very least, you force the start of a conversation, and I think that's that's the big thing is that you've you've begun that process. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. People are like, oh, how could you include that? It's so unreasonable. Well, it it's not. <laughs> and 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 it needs to be said. Like, it, dude, people thought that the entire Black Lives Matter movement in 2013, 14, was they said the same things. So, oh, so unreasonable to say that. How could you say that? You know, and it just, it's like, it's crazy talk. So you talk about these things that seem so abstract. It's all so impossible. Ending racial injustice in college sports and society, I imagine, is one people look at and say, how could we do that? And I think there's very clear and obvious ways to do it. And it starts at the top. And uh, it also starts with a lot of effort and focus and uh, I think there's a lot there, but I have to say my favorite is using the example of Stanford cutting their sports 
as you know as an example against like or an example in favor of ending lavish facility expenditures and using endowment funds to preserve all sports i mean that's perfect whoever that was that was spot on so this is uh, yeah i agree rob you nailed it this is very very awesome i fully support it and it can only bring in the right types of innovation that the NCAA seems so scared to make. And that's why it's so important to listen to people that are kind of like your boots on the ground, whether you're you know, in business or whether you're in sports or the sports world business, like whatever, you're, whatever world you're in. When you can get to your frontline leaders and your individual contributors, man, so that's your coaches and your players. There's so many good opportunities for innovation there. And this is this entire piece is just fantastic. I mean, let's go by let's go down the thing one by one. Like I think you and I both agree the health and safety protections that's a non that's like a non-starter, right? Like that all those things should be there and I think that's like that's not that difficult. Like to come to an agreement about. Agreed. The protect the sports thing, I think that's where it starts to get a little bit, a uh, little bit hazy, right? Um, the first point about Larry Scott administrators and coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. That's I don't I think the average fan is all probably in agreement. I think most Pac-12 fans probably think that Larry Scott should be fired anyways. So. Um, but I think a lot of fans also agree that the money involved for coaches and administrators, particularly in the athletics departments, is way too high. Uh, so, but there's there's like wiggle room for discussion about that. I think ending performance and academic bonuses. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about that until I actually saw this, saw this, and I was like, yeah, that actually makes sense. Like, why is it that coaches? benefit from students doing well in the classroom like why do they get like a payout for that it's strange to me like now that i'm like sitting here thinking about it i think it makes sense to me but it probably makes sense to me because we've been doing it for so long yeah and it's my first time looking at it and so uh at that specific line and so it's coming across as hard to understand but i like so i i I see the side of it but i agree it's sort of like one of those things where you're just i don't know it's one of those things that it it should be part of the job yeah (laughs) right it shouldn't have to be a bonus like this you should have to get your players to graduate as part of being head coach jeff tedford didn't get fired because he wasn't hitting his bonuses he got fired because he wasn't helping his players graduate yeah Next point is the point that you brought up is the end lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. Now, see, that's this is the part that's like, at least we had a very, very, I don't want to say heated discussion, but I think a, a good discussion in our uh, Right for California, our Slack channel about the endowment funds and all that. Like, I am not well versed in how endowment funds work. Um, how that money is allocated, when that money is allowed to be used, how that money is even budgeted. 
Like, do you have any sense of like how that works? No. Yeah. So, I think both. I yeah. I don't think. I'm definitely not qualified to speak on it. Um, I would have to do more research on that. But that actually, that's actually something that I'd want to learn more about is how the endowment funds in college sports work. Uh, because, you know, like, as they said, Stanford has a $27.7 billion endowment. But that's that could mean that, like, that's the total allocated endowment that's spread across, like, said number of X years. Like, and it's, like... Ex- it's supposed to go like for specific sports for specific reasons. So like, it's tough to just point at like you know an amount of money and just be like, why can't we use that? Um, because there's definitely rules in like how they've set it up that way uh, to use it. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't. It's just it's like how it's set up. So curious to see how that would work. I mean, I think. I think it's one of those things that becomes tough when it's like, okay, do we build, you know, this new organ facility? Do we build, you know, this brand new gym when we already have this super nice gym and we are cutting other sports at the same time? Yeah. I think that's really what it's driving at, driving at more so than anything else. So I think I have like some, some of a perspective on that, but maybe not some, like, I definitely don't wouldn't pretend to know like how all of the endowment funds work and and what they do for the sports and you know how that how that all kind of happens yeah because i know like remember how like cal baseball was about to get discontinued and then they like got all these donations and then set up an endowment fund yeah for the baseball team like yep. i have no idea how that endowment fund works um but i do know that endowment fund is set to be up i think in a couple in a few years so they're going to have to, like, you know, replenish it or redo it. But regardless, like, I have no idea how that works. So that's that's the part that I'm, like, I don't know. I, I can't say. I get where they're coming from, particularly in terms of uh, lavish facility expenditures. Um, but the endowment funds to preserve all sports, I, I do think that a lot of endowments are being used to preserve sports to begin with. So that's, like, the, that's like the part I don't understand. Yep. Um, next thing is end racial injustice in college sports and society. Uh, first one was form a permanent civic engagement task force made up of our leaders, experts of our choice, and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and in society. The second would be in partnership with Pac-12. Two percent of conference revenue would be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on each campus. And then three is form annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit with guaranteed representation of at least three athletes of our choice from every school. You got any thoughts on these three points? I mean, 2% seems low. Yeah. <laughs> it should be like a quarter of conference revenue. Um, I love point number two. I think one and three are also fantastic. I th- it'll be hard for the NCAA to allow those choices, but it's the right thing to do. I think that give, as I'm sort of saying, like give power to those that are on the front lines <laughs> to be able to choose and to be able to make an impact. So it, it sounds great. Yeah. So 
I, I like all three. I think one and three is easily doable. Two is just a little bit, and I'm not saying that they're not going to do it or like they will do it. I'm just saying when, whenever money is involved, it gets it gets to like a like a harder like coming to terms agreement. So, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if they if they could somehow pull it off and get two percent conference revenue to go directly into um, like community initiatives, development programs, and such, like that'd be awesome. Um, I mean, this is gonna. I I don't know how people are gonna take this, but as an Asian American, I think sometimes, like, I wish they I wish they didn't say just like low income black students. Like, I understand the Black Lives Matter movement, but there are a lot of also other low income minority students that would absolutely like need this help too. Um, and I wish that they had thought about that and like expanded it a little bit. But I understand where they're coming from, uh, particularly because they're coming at this with the Black Lives Matter movement and like everything that's been happening over the last few days. But I wish they would if they change change the wording on that um, a little bit. I think that'd be great. But. I think that it's you know it's an interesting. I don't even know like where I'm really coming from commenting on this, but uh, you know as being a white male but i think that when you look at the population of uh, like our black population in the u.s and what has been done from a systemic standpoint yes there's absolutely other like ethnicities and race that have been impacted but it would be hard to point to anybody besides uh, black people that have been impacted as heavily. And so I'm okay with the focus being solely on bringing low income black students because like, look at Cal, like Cal was a great example for me. It was shocking how, how few black students there were at Cal when we were there. Yeah. And you know, it just was, it was, it was what, like 38% white and then 35% Asian. Yeah. And then, you know, you had some Latinx involvement there. So, and it was like six, four, 6% like black. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And that's Cal in the Bay area. You know, it just was, it was shocking. And so, I agree, but I also really like that it's solely focused there. And maybe that's why it's 2%. And, you know, maybe it's about maybe driving that figure to 15% and then you split it up or in some sort of way. But anyways. Up to like a general low income students. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I totally agree. Um, it's just, it's just sometimes I've been seeing, or at least like recently, just been seeing a lot about you know minorities and just reading up about minority struggles and you know i mean being an asian american person i mean you know i've been blessed enough to be you know raised in a you know middle class you know family and so i didn't have to deal with that but i do know that that's like a big issue and it's a lot of the times asian the asian american population tends to be not included 
when it comes to those types of discussions, which like kind of sucks. Um, but I mean, like all in all, as we said, the premise of what they're trying to do is the is the big part. That's just like a personal qualm I have with the wording. Um, but yeah, we can go on. Um, economic freedom and equity. So this is like the big one that a lot of people are mad or you know, questioning or calling people out about. So the first one is guaranteed medical expend, uh, expense coverage, medical insurance by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19 illness, to cover six years after college athletics ability ends. Uh, name, image, and likeness rights and representation. The freedom to secure representation, receive basic necessities from any third party, and earn money for the name for the use of our name, image, and likeness rights. I don't think any of us have any issues with those first two, right? I think we're all in agreement with that. I think it's important because you don't know what the long-term impact of COVID is. So I like that it's six years post-college athletic eligibility. Particularly pertaining to COVID, too. Yep. Um, All right. And then this is the thing that I think you know, we'd have a good discussion on is fair market pay rights and freedoms. So the first one is distribute 50% of each sports total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports, six year athletic scholarships to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion, elimination of all policies and practices restricting or deterring our freedom of speech, our ability to fully participate in charitable work and our freedom to participate in campus activities outside of mandatory athletics participation. Ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment and additionally in case of abuse or serious negligence. Ability to complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft if a player goes undrafted and foregoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. Six, due process rights. All of them are great. <laughs> I really think so. I really do. All of, I, They're not perfect. In the in the sense, like I don't think you, but I I have a hard time not liking every single one of them. If you were able to start a conversation about distributing fifty percent of each sports total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their sports, you're having the right conversation. Six year scholarships make a ton of sense to me to make sure that you're covered throughout the entire time which you're a student and not left hanging with some sort of debt. You gave your you know in some cases your entire you know athletic post-athletic career to the fact that you're a college athlete it, it makes full sense to me uh, absolutely eliminating all policies restricting and deterring freedom of speech and then also like act campus activities outside of athletics participation dude if you're an athlete you weren't able to do anything like you couldn't even play like rec sports they didn't want you to get hurt and it's just like you you lose that freedom i think the one-time transfer makes total sense Absolutely, in cases of abuse or serious negligence, if there was some way to make it even easier, you know, uh, that would be great for people in those situations. I, I think that the number five is makes sense to me too. It's like, sure, you know, it's like you didn't really do anything, you didn't take any money. Why did you lose amateur status, right? If you go through the draft, uh, you hired an agent, but you haven't brought any money in right they're gonna have to change all those rules anyways but like at that point in time you know if you get number one or if you get some of the other ones in the other mentions it's like that should be how it is and number six seems pretty straightforward yeah number six seems like why aren't we doing that already (laughs) um yeah i think everything makes sense the the only point of contention i think is number one right the 50% of each sports total conference revenue 
evenly among athletes in their respective sports. So that's the tough part is because now you come to a question about Title IX. You come to a question of what about those sports that basically don't make any money? Uh, like how, how do you divide that up? How do you how do you budget that so that those sports can thrive uh, despite shifting 50% mm. of the budget to the players? Yeah. That's like a tough, that's a tough like economics and like budgeting question. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the, and then, yeah, of course I said like women's sports and like Olympic sports and all them, like... Because, I mean, realistically, if you look at this, and let's, like, to, to be totally honest, like, who's making the most money off of this, right? It's men's basketball and football. Like, if you were to totally take it by each sport's total conference revenue, right? Yep. So, that's a huge discussion point now of, like, now you're going to have each sport kind of pointing the finger of, like, why did why did they get 50%? Or why do they get that much money? Uh, and boy, that's that's like a tough, tough conversation to have. But with that, I think it's a perfect time to stop for a second to go over our sponsors. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the, with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Big Shot Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your bets and odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Rob, have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. And we know our friend Marshawn Lynch is a big fan of the decor. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon signup on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code BLUEWIRE or DealDash.fm backslash BLUEWIRE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash BLUEWIRE. And we're back here to talk more about the United We Stand uh, demands movement. Um, I guess to if my chair yeah. comes on and is showing up in this podcast <laughs> recording, it's my chair. It makes weird sounds. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I guess to kind of wrap up 
just a couple questions I thought that would wrap up our thoughts a little well here. And we'll go one by one. So the first case, Andy, what's the best case scenario here, you think, with these demands? The cynic in me says that the best case scenario is that the Pac-12 at least takes them somewhat seriously and tries to start listening to their to their employees who are their players. Um, the optimist in me says that they take them very seriously and try to adopt 50% in the next two years i think we'll land somewhere in the middle of those hopefully but it's hard putting faith in something that you inherently already didn't have a lot of faith in to begin with Mm -hmm. and we're talking about a system that's been in place for years upon years and people have been just turning a blind eye and just saying like yeah you know i enjoy the sport of college i love college sports love it oh but it promotes you know basically like free labor and they're like oh well you know like no one wants to engage on that stuff because it's uncomfortable so i think i think it'll take longer than we expect yeah i think the best case scenario i think is is basically what you said you start negotiations that's where you got to start um the issue here is that their leverage right now is based on them not playing this year if a lot of their demands aren't met, correct? Because of cor- the coronavirus. But let's say it, this gets pushed to, you know, the first or second week of September, like when the season's about to start, or sorry, towards the end, and they figure out that the season has to be canceled because it's not getting any better. Then the players on their side lost all leverage because the Pac-12 doesn't really need, need to negotiate since there's no season right they can't threaten to sit out of something that's not happening so it's like in a weird like game of chicken slash like timing of who's gonna come to the conversation table first um and like be like yeah we need you more than you know the opposite so what's your worst case scenario worst case scenario is that you have this pr stunt of discussions and like this thing, maybe they they crumble to like the. I'm not saying okay, crumble's not the right word, but they like adhere to all of like the easy stuff, right? Like, yeah, we can we can make a civil engagement task force. Like, yeah, we can make a we can make a black college athlete summit for you guys. Like, that's like a feel good story for us. Like, we're the only you know conference in the country to have a uh, black college athlete summit every year, um, you know, and things like that. But then, like, they don't really address anything else. Right. Like, they just kind of yeah. everything else. Like, yep. Well, we'll, I think we'll talk about it. But Sounds plausible, yeah. sadly. What do you think is the realistic situation? Like, what's the realistic outcome of, let's say, the next, like, two months? Because this kind of has to be resolved before football season starts, right? I mean, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit just in the sense of like the NCAA and Pac-12 specifically having an opportunity to actually like lean into some innovation. And we kind of like look at baseball for an example. I don't think baseball like went tremendously out of their way to like try to change what they do, but they are experimenting to some degree, which is new for baseball. Like I hate to give Rob Manfred any credit because <laughs> he really doesn't deserve it. He's he's terrible. But 
you know, at the same time, like baseball is doing the runner on second. They're doing the seven inning double headers. They're doing things that are slightly different because they've been forced to do it, not because they've taken that extra time to really think about all these cool things that they could be doing. But this is that opportunity for the NCAA. You know, there isn't necessarily a huge demand for them to be ready because of COVID. Like, I think that, you know, as the season gets closer, it's still very much up in the air. And so this is the right time for them to have that conversation. Like you're at home, you're Larry Scott, you're at home. You don't have as many people coming to you, disrupting you in the middle of the day. You have time to actually invest in a significant way in this. And so I would hope that, you know, also like look at the impact that it had with the state of California and then all the other states that followed after that in regards to giving NCAA players the rights to their likeness. So I think that also will have an effect, as you said, with the big big, uh, 10 and those players too. So I think to kind of go into where our last question is, is like, does this change the landscape of college athletics forever? It has the potential to. It just depends on how seriously it's taken. And should college athletics change forever? Yes, definitely. It's beyond the point of where we should be changing. But I'm curious to get your thoughts, Rob. I'm totally, I'm actually on the same boat as you. Uh, I mean, I said that at the beginning, right? It's like, does this change the landscape of college athletics forever? If, If it goes in the direction that we hope it does, absolutely it'll definitely change college athletics forever um and as we said like it it's going to change this sport that we love so much into an uncomfortable like new version right and we're just going to have to get get used to it but i think you and i are both on board with going through our fandom uh discomforts if it means you know betterment for these players and these guys that we've talk to and have gotten to know so yeah it's it's a weird world i mean it's hilarious too at the same time because you know as you talked about baseball and you know i watch a bunch of the nba um and it's like they're they're taking more risks and they're able to take more risks because of the current situation like you're trying anything and everything to see what works um and can draw more fans and can enhance your sport like up until this point there was no need to because life went on as usual and you didn't really need to innovate now they're doing that across all these sports right and i think that's kind of what's happening in college sports right now is that there's no there's no reason not to take advantage of the current situation by the players to at least have these negotiations to at least start the conversation somewhere because they're at this point now where Call sports might not happen. And if they do, like the players actually have leverage here right now because they're forced, they're saying we're going to sit out if uh, we're not listened to at all. So, I mean, that's the reason the Pac 12 is even coming to the table to negotiate, right? With that phone call with Larry Scott and all those people. So, yeah, this is uh, it's very interesting times ahead. Yeah, so maybe there's, you know, a real opportunity for change here and and then you know we'll kind of see where it falls out but it, it's definitely the i think what we're both saying is it's the right conversation to be having yep and we're glad that we're having it whether or not it took a global pandemic to kind of spark it so 
This global pandemic is sparking a lot of things, man. Yes, many negative, many positive. <laughs> Oi. But yeah, that was a that was a deep conversation we had today about this. A little different, a little switch up. Yeah. Two podcasts for the people. Because mm-hmm. the fans and the listeners, they're the real MVPs. <laughs> well said. True that. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up for us here on another episode of the Golden Bearcast. You can find us on Twitter at Golden Bearcast. You can email us at goldenbearcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitch, um, on Twitter, and on Instagram. And also, you can join our Discord channel, uh, the Golden Bearcast Discord channel. Just add us on Twitter, and we'll send you over the link. Uh, you can find me at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at... Andy JB's Mode. And that's it. We might be back soon with some uh, recruiting news stuff, uh, because that's probably the only football stuff we'll, we have right now going. But other than that, you'll hear from us sooner rather than later. And with that, as always, go Bears. Go Bears!